business success usually comes to those who are too busy to be looking for it. Join RVK for the award-winning RV on Business Show every Tuesday at 12 midday. It's not about thinking out of the box. There is no box. Only on 101.9 High FM. Welcome to 101.9 High FM and it's not 12 o'clock, it's 22 minutes past 12 and our apologies for being late. But the topic of discussion today only got released at 11.30. We needed to give our, we needed to give our guests a bit of time to look over it. I needed to look over it to get totally confused so that I could ask the questions. But it gives me great pleasure to welcome the Chief Economist at Citadel, Martin Ackerman. Martin, welcome to the High FM. Thank you. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Martin, I must say, I looked through it. Very nice pictures, beautiful diagrams. I'm not quite sure whether we're going in the right direction or the wrong direction. There's definitely been growth in certain areas, and certain areas usually, as, as usual, come up and surprise us. But if we look at the big picture, the GDP figures, are we going forward or we where we were this time last year, or have we gone backwards? Yes, I think it, it depends... Uh do we compare it to uh, exactly a year ago or do we compare it to the, the bottom during the course of 2020? Uh, unfortunately, the economy today is actually smaller compared to last year this time, and that's all COVID-related. Uh, is it a bad number? Yes, you know, that minus 7% that's been printed today, um, we haven't seen a number like that in the last 100 years. In fact, the uh, 1920s, we saw a slightly bigger number. So that, if, from that point of view, it is it is not a pretty picture, but one can understand that that's uh, with the COVID pandemic uh, in the background. If you then look at the last two quarters, so the second half of 2020, then one could probably argue and say, well, the economy is recovering and things are starting to look better. And we'll talk about it later, but hopefully that can continue into 2021 as well. Okay, so, you know, as usual, the um, the one that continues to surprise me is agriculture, forest and fishing. It seems to grow year by year, despite all the challenges that we're having in the agricultural sector, which means that we are actually producing more food quarter on quarter or year on year than we are in the previous sections. Is that correct? Yeah, so agriculture was a great sector last year, so it's up 13% uh, for the year. Uh, one of only two sectors that were positive. The other one was government that were up uh, 0.7. We, we know why, because government obviously spend a lot on on the wage bill and all the issues that we've heard about in yes. the budget. But on agriculture, unfortunately, it's still a small sector. It's only 1% of the economy. Um, imagine if it was much bigger and you could get this kind of growth throughout the economy. But that aside, uh, one needs to keep in mind that agriculture is quite volatile. So yes, the, uh, the, the past few quarters, even the past two years, we had positive numbers coming from agriculture, but it can change very quickly, uh, especially there's weather patterns that's uh, less optimal, there's another drought. But at the moment, we are seeing a tailwind, uh, and the tailwind is definitely the drought that's behind us. We had a, a record crop season, and then things like COVID actually also helped because we export a lot of citrus to the rest of the world. There's been a huge demand for vitamin C, and uh, we're now one of the well, we're the third biggest exporter of citrus to the rest of the world. Uh, so all of those numbers came into the numbers that we saw for 2020, 
And I agree with you, that is a very, very strong number. Um, we do expect that that will cool down a little bit going into this year uh, due, due to a base effect. But you are 100% right to say that, um, especially from the fruit, soft fruit kind of production side, we are exp- we are producing more than what we need. Um, and therefore, we also export a lot of that to the rest of the world. Now, Martin, what's fascinating about that is that fruit production is not one of those things where you can say, oh, in a year's time, you know, the Netherlands or China is going to need X amount of tons of oranges. Let's let's plant, you know, 20,000 trees. It doesn't work like that. You need to have years of planning and you need to have a whole system in place, which really goes to show once again how robust certain parts of our economy are. We're under pressure, but you can't, you know, have a bumper crop and then export a bumper crop of fruit if you don't have infrastructure in place. And, and that, I suppose, is a huge accolade to the farmers with everything that goes on just to make sure that when the demand is there, they can supply it based on current um, production and what's in place. Um, Martin, before I sort of let you loose so you can give your whole perspective, the other thing that jumps out at me which really worried me was mining and quarrying that was down a staggering amount um, over there. And we know the reason for that is that with a hard shutdown, those mines shut down. And again, a mine's not something that you just shut down and then tomorrow morning you open it up, quickly send a guy in with a vacuum cleaner, and two hours later you can start mining again. It's a very, very complex project to start. Um, and the most important thing is it's human life at risk. So mm. when there's no one there for three or four months, you make damn certain that when someone goes in there, it's absolutely safe. Is that why the figures are so poor? Yes, it, it's a pity. You know, we um, we had some tailwinds for the mining sector last year, um, although we still ended lower for, for the year and for the quarter. Um, but apart from the global economy picking up, we've seen quite, quite a nice rebound in commodity prices. Uh, if you think about the JSC resources companies doing extremely well. So all of those are actually positives for the mining sector. But that aside, our mining sector specifically face a lot of headwinds structurally. So, you know, that's right from, uh, like you said, safety, dealing with labor, um, the load shedding that, that, that keeps on, you know, locking down mines, uh, the specific, the, the hard lockdown as well, the, the lockdown of our harbors, um, and then, you know, the quality of the grade of what we mine, the cost of mining, how deep the mines are becoming relative to the rest of the world. So if you throw all of that into the pot, you know, then despite a global economy that recovered in the second half and our exports picking up to the rest of the world, you still get into this kind of environment where the sector actually ended smaller compared to a year ago. Uh, so that is a concern because mining is one of the, it should be one of the bigger a job in uh, creating sectors in the economy. It is a huge contributor to the, to the fiscus, to the tax side of the economy. And one would hope that in time we can solve some of those structural issues that's preventing this part of the economy to really perform, uh, compared to something like manufacturing over the quarter that actually <clears throat> had a very good quarter, uh, at the back end of 2020. So I was going to get to manufacturing and construction. Um, both ticked up, nothing uh, to shoot the lights out, but um, there was definitely a tick up. Is that because it's coming off a low base, a, a base of almost zero when the lockdown was there? Or does, it, does do these figures take that into consideration and it's almost a year-on-year figure? 
it's definitely a base effect. I think at the moment and probably for the next uh, uh, couple of quarters, we need to keep in mind that, like I've mentioned at the start, we, we haven't seen this kind of annual decline in a century. Uh, so, so that decline will create a base effect for the year to come. So a lot of it's in manufacturing construction, but that should be the case for all sectors. So the fact that manufacturing construction is looking better relative to the others imply that there's definitely more activity taking place in that part of the economy. Uh, construction included a lot of residential, which probably was on hold during the lockdown. But manufacturing, we're also aware that, you know, there's a change in, 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 um, in, in attitude. Uh, so longer term, SA is likely to benefit from other countries in the world that's looking for other trading partners and not just relying on Asia. We saw a little bit of that already starting to play out through the course of 2020, where we benefited exporting some manufacturing goods to Europe, which we typically didn't do in the past. And and even some of our local companies that uh, are deciding to rather uh, uh, look for um, local supply instead of Asian supply, again, to make sure about the sustainability of supply going forward. So those are also uh, in, in these numbers and hopefully paving the way for a little bit of a, a change in landscape going forward that can contribute to better um, uh, manufacturing construction numbers in the economy going forward. And Martin, at the end of the day, as you said, minus 7% on the nose is just a shocking figure. But if we were looking at even 1%, 2% growth potentially, that figure is not minus 7, it's minus 9 or minus 10 because, you know, you've got to take the fact that there was no growth into in, consideration. But if you plot us against the rest of the world or our peers in BRICS, um, for example, how did we fare? Were we, were we, you know, on par? Did we sort of decline in line with everybody else because we had the same variables with COVID or did we really just get hammered? Yeah, unfortunately, that's not a, a good news story. Um, you'll recall that we actually went into COVID already in recession. We had two negative quarters beginning of last year. Um, as a result of that, our decline uh, is definitely more compared to, to our peer group. So we've done definitely worse on the downside. Uh, and it seems like the recovery is also a little bit muted. Um, yes, there is going to be a recovery. This is what we're seeing in these numbers today. Uh, 2021, you know, the expectation is that we're going to see growth north of 3%, which we haven't seen in many years. But I think that that shouldn't get us uh, too excited because it is about the sustainability of that growth. Uh, compare that to other emerging markets, you know, there the expectation is that it will probably be north of 5%. So, so the structural issues that we were dealing with before COVID obviously is still in the pipeline and that's already going to work against us in terms of our rebound potential. And then after that, you know, what is the likely growth rate for, for the next two to three years? And I think if anything, the budget, uh, unfortunately disappointed on that front because despite all the reforms, despite all the huge infrastructure spent, you know, the numbers in the budget was a very strong three and a half for this year, which we agree with. But then it drops down to only 1.6% three years down the line. And one needs to ask the question, well, if we are going to address all these structural issues, we are going to have all this infrastructure development, why do we still end up with only 1.6% growth three years down the line? 
Um, and that is the concern because we know that from the last 10 years, one and a half percent growth is not good enough for this economy to actually fix the problems that we face on a daily basis. That, that's exactly the point I was going to get to is that, you know, it almost feels like we put the cart before the horse, but we do this every year with the budget prior to the, re- the release of the GDP figures because that was sort of give us a bit of perspective. But yes, we, I mean, that was discussed last week with a colleague of yours that the, the projected figures are seeming low. Do you not, uh, did you not believe, do you not believe that maybe the government's erring on the side of caution and, um, Minister Mbaweni is saying that, you know, we're getting smacked left, right and center for saying the wrong things, over promising, under delivering, you know, really coming up with a, a mouthful of teeth and, and, and nothing to bite on. Let me rather be cautious and realistic. And then grade, you know, grade the figures up if I need to. Or does that send a message to the world that we've sort of just going nowhere? I agree with you that it's probably better to, to be more conservative because if they've plugged in a 3% growth number, let's say, for, for the next three years, then suddenly all our fiscal metrics will look so much better. And that might send the wrong message as well. Um, so I think there it was probably... Uh, you know, it's better to, to be on the, on the, on the more uh, prudent side. But, you know, we also need to demonstrate to the global community and the rating agencies that we are serious about reforms. And uh, if you are implementing or going to implement reforms and you're not going to see a positive impact on the economic growth, then you need to ask serious questions in terms of where do you spend money and time uh, if you're not going to see results. So I think it is a balancing act to, to obviously if you increase those numbers, suddenly your debt to GDP and all of those numbers will look much better. Um, and we don't want to send the wrong message there. But what we would want to see is that everything that we're doing at this point in time eventually will actually uh, spill over into better, stronger economic growth. That is more sustainable. I think that's the bottom line. You know, Martin, I was, I was going to bring it up. I was sort of going to save the best for last about the rating agencies because you know, I remember speaking to Wayne McCurry when we first started having this rating agency issue. We were a triple A and then we started falling off the boat and I looked and I said, like, Wayne, what's going to happen? He said, first of all, it's already factored in. Second of all, don't worry too much about the rating agencies. And he was right. Until it got to the point where the rating agencies sort of put the country at a knife edge because you had the CEO delegation helping the then President Zuma's government to try get things sort of presentable to present to the rating agencies. And then that whole thing changed and the new government came in or the new president came in and things seemed to have leveled out and then we just fell off the cliff again. How would figures like this resonate at the rating agencies at the moment? Because they've already smacked us and we're not going to hear from them from for a while, but we've got a very big hole to climb out of. Yeah, I think a couple of things. The rating agencies, unfortunately, I think is normally behind the curve. Uh, so their role in society should be the canary in the coal mine to say, guys, something's not uh, healthy in this country or in this corporate, so be careful. Um, but it typically happens after they've got the data and they've studied the data and they realize that, you know, um, there's something wrong in, in the engine room. So, so a little bit behind the curve, not always proactive. But that aside, I think where we are right now, we need to remember that the big debate over the past couple of uh, years, we're basically losing our investment rate rating. 
And you're 100% right to get that back. You know, that's not going to happen with one positive GDP print. Uh, that will take a number of years of good growth and showing fiscal discipline to, to get back an investment grade rating. Uh, so we're already sub-investment grade, and I don't like to use the word junk because, you know, you're not really junk. You can do a lot with a, a sub-investment grade uh, rating. But the risk is that if we don't get serious about turning around the debt uh, cycle, then, you know, there's no reason why we can't have lower and lower ratings um, in this sub-investment grade uh, 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 rating scale. Uh, and every time that happens, you know, you increase the cost of doing business, the cost of capital, and it's just another headwind for the economy. But I think where we are right now, you know, it is early days. Um, we can understand why last year after uh, March when COVID happened, you know, they couldn't give us any more time because they just realized without government trying to do anything positive, COVID is just going to derail any plan at that point in time. And that's why they downgraded us. It wasn't really a sign of confidence in government. It was just a reality that COVID is going to put us back a couple of years. Where we are now, given what the minister said in the budget and the fact that at least, you know, there's consistency every time when he presents and he's still in the position, uh, I think that will give us time to show that we can actually um, deliver on, on, on these promises uh, and I think for now, we probably have a stable outlook without any changes to the negative side. Um, that is likely to be back on the table if we don't show progress uh, by October or early uh, next year in, in the February budget. Martin, thank you. Before um, I let you go, I just quickly need to run to the shops, get some adverts in, do some live reads. And then I'd like you just to sort of summarize the whole GDP figure, juxtapose it to the budget, and sort of just give us a um, bird's eye view as to where we're going forward. Craig, let's take an ad break. This is RV on Business. Martin, coming back to you, I don't think we have a loan for the government. I think they've got enough of their own. And unfortunately, that's growing and growing and becoming more and more expensive to service, as we've discussed. But let's take a, a, a look going forward. We've got another six or seven minutes or so to discuss that. We went into COVID in recession. We went into COVID on really, really wobbly legs. Um, I know I've been criticized a lot for saying that the government has handled COVID relatively well. Um, a lot of my friends in the media have said to me, oh, it's easy to cut and paste European um, stuff and just dump it on the South African economy. But I think it has been managed well, um, especially with now I'm actually overseas and I see how well South Africa did do it, how quickly the figures come down from 16,000 a day down to a couple of hundred. What do you feel is going to happen in the next, this year, 2021? What can we look forward to? I think um, maybe just on, on the whole COVID vaccine um, front, it is positive. You know, 2020 was identifying the problem. You just go back to last year, this time, specifically March, you know, that's when we had the 3% sell-off in global markets. Um, so this March just feels much better compared to last year this mm -hmm. time. Uh, if you just think about the uncertainty that everybody were dealing with at that point in time, we didn't really understand this virus. Um, maybe today we still don't understand it, but we, we know better how to, to manage it and how to treat uh, um, patients. But 2021 is part of the solution because we do have a vaccine and um, we are making progress all around the world. And that is definitely paving the way for more normality. 
And SA South Africa should also benefit from that, although we're behind the curve in terms of, of rolling out the vaccine. We've got the variant kind of argument that's going on, but uh, they will find a solution for that as well. So from an economic point of view, I do think the global economy and add SA to that is going to have a, a great 2021 with definitely more normality returning uh, as we make progress. But SA specifically, I think um, we shouldn't get too excited because um, this is basically, if you like, the V that's been caused by the the, the pandemic uh, down to the bottom and up back to, to where we are right now. But it will take us about three, four years just to get to pre-COVID levels um, with this kind of growth that we spoke about earlier today. So that implies that at the end of 2023, we're only back to where we've been, which wasn't a great place in any case, uh, at the back end of 2019. Um, so unfortunately, that, you know, put us back about four years um, and the urgency for reforms, and I keep on saying that, but that is what we need. That is the tipping point to actually pave the way for us to actually benefit from this rebound in global economic activity. You know, the sad reality is that back in 2008, due to other reasons, mostly state capture, SA didn't really benefit from that decade of strong economic growth. Uh, we just started to decouple more and more from economic, global economic uh, growth trends. And um, this time around, we're going to stand at another uh, cycle of strong global economic growth. And if we don't do our homework right now and do the right things, you know, we're potentially going to miss out again. And I think we can't afford that. So it is so important that we do see this kind of implementation taking place. But I do think, you know, just to, to give some hope that there's um, the reforms that we are talking about takes time. And I've referred to that earlier on. You're not going to see that in the next quarter or two. Uh, there are definitely things happening on the ground, maybe less than what we in the business community hope for. But there are progress being made. Uh, take one example, like the fact that we can now do private energy generation. Now, that's not going to change the, the playing field uh, in the next quarter, but it will do in the next couple of years. And therefore, I'm still hopeful that a lot of these reforms, you know, we'll only see in the numbers, you know, in years to come. But if we can continue down this path, then uh, we will eventually get to stronger numbers and, again, benefit from the global economic environment. Martin, before I let you go, I don't know what you said, but everything's gone ballistic here on my screen and it's all basically the same question coming through. There's a strong run in, in, in equities at the moment. People are finally seeing some return on their investments, you know, whether they're brokers, they're consultants, whatever, so they can just frustrate and just wait, it's going to come right. They've been hearing that for about five years, and all of a sudden it's coming right. What they, people are basically saying is, do they stick where they are, or do they say, thank you, let's take a bit of fat off the table and go sit back in the trenches? Yeah, I think right now a, a defensive strategy is, is probably the correct strategy. Market's been running very hard for, for reasons that we do understand, but the economies are only starting to get better. Markets are way ahead of that. So to take a bit of profit now, I think there might be some froth and, and, and blowing off steam in months ahead. Um, so I wouldn't be too aggressive. Uh, it's always good to leave a couple of pennies on the table 
um, instead of trying to get that last bit of return. So, so I think defensive position at this point in time makes a lot of sense. Martin, I'm just looking at you and just thinking, okay, this interview is over. Then I'm thinking this poor man could have had another 48 hours of interviews to do <laughs> talking about the same topic over and over again. Well, thank you to, for coming to us first. Thank you for always being there for us. And everything yes, of the best and just keep safe for you and your family and your colleagues. Thank you. And um, we'll chat to you again. Thanks. Thank you very much. Wonderful. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks for being with us. And we will chat to you next week.